Dear Saints, uh, what we've covered in these three sessions is lovely, but also serious. And so, in combining these two, this last session will be on our looking to the Lord and depending upon Him and one another to be able to apply and live, developing, and continuing in these matters of experiencing and enjoying the Lord more broadly, more deeply, as our reality. We realize that the Lord is in the third stage of his complete ministry. He's in the stage of his intensification. And while he was the Lord, that is, from the time of his resurrection, the spirit of reality related to the degradation of the church, he became the intensified spirit of reality. And he now is the intensified spirit of reality to bring us into a more profound, more extensive, more thorough, more comprehensive enjoyment of himself. The word entrusted to his recovery that we have touched on in the last three sessions is an example of the working of the spirit of reality to guide us into all reality, but now in the stage of his intensification. But regardless of how intensified he is, and regardless of all of his longing and desire, there still requires major portion on our side. A measure of cooperation is required of us. And as we'll see, maybe in, in the outline that you have in your hand, uh, he's going to continue to make sure, make sure we do this. It does require a major measure of cooperation on our part. So the outline tonight is on one hand to encourage us to offer to the Lord a corresponding, a matching level of cooperation in consecration that our enjoyment would indeed deepen, that it would indeed be different for us and we would advance in this matter of enjoying the Lord more comprehensively and more, more deeply. So the outline that we have tonight is, is an addendum to the first three. The, the first three would be found in last in, in the spring terms ministry meeting series of the full-time training. This one is an addendum to the last section that we had this morning that pointed out that our enjoyment of the Lord in mingling and incorporation with Him in two directions, enjoying His residence within us 
as signified by the offerings, and his enjoying our residence in him as signified by the tabernacle, is the meaning and center of the universe and awaits our development, that being the main point this morning, one of the points this morning. Uh, the outline tonight will continue on in the Old Testament. In the, in the way of the Old Testament typology to point out that all three of the first books of the Bible conclude with a similar theme asking for our deepened and deepening cooperation, giving ourselves to him that we would have a thorough and deeper enjoyment of him. And so we'll look at this tonight and its intent is to seal, to seal what's been spoken so that this would remain vivid, imprinted, indelible to us, be a beacon of shining impression. Yes, even the spirit of reality himself to show the way into this deepening enjoyment. So, um, Brother Bill read for us, we read together Hebrews 4.12. So, our need to have a continuation, application of the burden of the last messages um, I would like to, uh, for those of you who weren't here last night, to mention, and for those of you who were here last night, to review two factors of enablement that help us to assure that we can do this. Do what? That we can practice Colossians 2.16 through the first part of verse 18 and have our daily living renewed in a sense, in a, in a most positive sense, turned upside down, revolutionized by causing Christ to emerge as the reality in every turn, instance, and encounter of our daily living. Um, if we try tomorrow or continue tomorrow to apply this and find that I'm not sure if this works for me, I'm not sure if I can do this, I'd like you to remember these two factors of enablement as assurance and confirmation. Yes, you can. So when the thought comes, oh, I'm not sure I can do this, I would encourage you to debate that thought, deflect that thought, swallow up that thought by, yes, I can do that because of two factors of enablement. I can have my being pointed in two directions 
at the same time, interfacing with the person with whom I'm conversing, and meanwhile, conversing with the Lord himself, because I have a regenerated, mingled spirit with a new, inborn capacity that allows me to do something that I wouldn't be able to otherwise do or convince myself that I could do. And I can do exactly what the Lord Jesus did as He was living on the earth. We can be touching the Lord Jesus as He touched the Father, as we interface with persons and matters, as He interfaced with persons and matters. We can do this. We can do this because we have this Regenerated spirit with an inborn capacity that was designed, equipped specifically, I repeat, specifically for this one thing. Your spirit was, con- was, was detailed, furnished to do this one thing. So don't think you can't do it. You can do it. And you're going to do it. But, just as when you were maybe three months old, you didn't talk as well and as clearly as you do now, you had the ability to learn language and to articulate in your being in a form that needed to be developed. Call it a seed form. Likewise, when the seed of Christ himself, as the seed of life came in to regenerate you, that seed carried with it this divine capacity. Now, if you exercise it tomorrow and it doesn't seem to smoothly just flow forth, realize There's a need for cultivation and development, watering of this seed, of this seed. So don't be concerned, just have faith in the seed, trust the seed, cultivate the seed, and continue to practice what we've talked about in the last three sessions. Just continue to do so. Now, in way of to illustrate how this can be cultivated, I'd like to just review with you what you've probably considered yourself very much, and that is Hebrews 4.12, which the brothers have frequently referred to in their ministering, and which refers to the fact that the Word of God has a particular function in our being is able to separate the soul from the spirit. Without that separation, enjoyment of the Lord is impossible. But when that separation is made and is developed, that enjoyment is able to deepen and deepen and deepen until... It reaches the level of second of, of Colossians 2, 16 through 18. And we are able, 
through the indwelling word, through the spoken word, through the word in the Bible, we are able to divide the soul from the spirit. So, let me give you five cascading uh, developments of the seed of Hebrews 4.12 to illustrate that the seed within us that is able in its divine capacity to allow us to live out Christ as the reality of every positive thing is well within our grasp. So, have you considered various levels of experience of Hebrews 4.12? Okay, well, uh, the first one, let's see, I'm not sure if this is a marker. There we go. Okay, the first one, the first one uh, we can use as a verse reference, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, which as you know, uses the Greek pronoun to make clear that man is tripartite. So most people don't understand that man is tripartite. And many believers don't know or uh, affirm that man is tripartite. But the word in definition separates the soul from the spirit in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 by saying that the, peace, the God of peace will sanctify you wholly, spirit, and soul, and body, which use of the Greek conjunction chi and there indicates that these are three separate things. So, in the first level of our understanding of Hebrews 4.12, we come to know, oh, I have a spirit. Now, saints, if you don't know you have a spirit, how are you going to enjoy the Lord and touch the spirit of reality who is there dwelling? Your experience of him will be random, will be chaotic, may be rare. So... For the word to show us that you have a spirit and a soul and they're separate is the beginning of the enjoyment of Christ. Now, next is um, next is um, subjective subjective realization. And here we can use a common scene with married couples where Mrs. says to Mr., where have you been? Why are you so late again? And Mr. says, who just had to work a little bit longer than usual and is tired and frustrated, finds something welling up inside and says, Why do you have to ask me that? 
or something else. Let me say something else. And as he is saying this, inside, there's something saying, don't answer. Don't answer. Be quiet. No need. Okay? That was the Word of God. The indwelling Word of God. Yes, perhaps uh, referable to as the teaching of the anointing. When we're about to act absolutely in our soul, in its negative self form or denotation, we ourselves perceive there's something urging us, no, no, pulling, pulling back, pulling the other way. This is a registration and an illustration of the fact that within us, we have a spirit in which we sense this anointing, and we have a soul in which we live autonomously in the way that gets us into trouble. Into trouble. So, in this instance, in this instance, um, this was perceived. This time, we have um, a sanctifying action. Let's take the same example, the same interchange. The husband's an hour late or an hour and a half late. Where have you been? Why are you late again? This time, there isn't there may be, there may be some welling up. But there isn't only the registration, don't say anything. There's the realization and the choice exercised, I don't say anything. And at home, there's peace. Rather than not having peace because she said, what happened to him? He didn't answer. Nothing happened. Wow, something's going on. And there's this unexpected peace there, and the Lord is able to speak something in both, in both parties. So, these are developments, <coughs> developments of... Uh, the separation of the soul from the spirit, enabling an increasing realization and enjoyment experience of the Lord. Then fourthly, fourthly, we have taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing. And so this is a further development on having a situation and being rescued by the spirit of reality, being rescued by his speaking, being rescued by the word, and 
cleaving to our spirit at a time of need. Here, our learning spirit, our developing spirit, that is learning to that is learning to have um, a function, a function apart from and separate, separated from, not overshadowed by and engulfed by the soul, but separate and distinct. Now is able to is able to contact the Lord Himself while the person, the being, you and I, contact persons, matters, and things in our environment. These two things happening together are what we've been talking about in the last three sessions. This means, this means that um, although it sounds like in Hebrews 4.12 we're strictly speaking about these two being separated, paradoxically, try to follow me here, paradoxically, the way the spirit and the soul and the spirit get divided and are distinguishable and the soul is no longer under the spirit is where the soul, which is the person, contacts the spirit. Now, didn't you say separation? Yes, separation. But the way this separation occurs is by the person, you and I, in our daily living, faced by something, simultaneously contact our spirit with the indwelling spirit of reality. And now, this person, this soul, is able to simultaneously be in touch with matters and things in the physical environment and in touch with the indwelling spirit of reality at the same time. Then, the indwelling spirit of reality is able to supply the person, the soul, with the reality of that person, place, or thing, or that interaction. This is to live in two realms simultaneously. And this is the advanced stage of dividing the soul from the spirit. Now, notice that this is a progression that you may not have fully experienced yet. You may be someone who's learned in the Lord's recovery through the word that you have a soul and a spirit. You may be someone who has learned that been able to identify this dynamic calling you to come to your spirit at certain times. And you may have learned, you may have learned to access the resource of your spirit to be your first aid when you need it. But if you carry this line of development forward and onward, it comes to taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing where before you need rescue, before you get yourself into trouble, 
or before you live out another shift at work, oblivious to the Lord himself, you exercise the capacity in your spirit to engage him as you engage the practicality of your of your surrounds. And I hope this sounds familiar. This is what the brothers have described as living in the two realms that are the significance of the dividing of the soul and the spirit in Hebrews 4.12. Now, so we referred to this last night, that we have this capacity to develop this in our mingled spirit. Now, the fifth one, fifth one is that the dividing of the soul from the spirit occurs in the frame of divine affection. Thus, thus him 1154. All of this, taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing, and the capacity of the seed in your spirit, the spirit of reality in your spirit, to live this way, to live taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing, the further you go in this process, the more you're going to progress, or your, your progress will be proportionate to your engagement with in affection and your cultivation of your love for him. So the cultivation of your love for him is synonymous, synonymous and equivalent to the cultivation of your ability to take Christ as every positive thing and is equivalent to your ability to live the life of faith. All of this comes back, as we said last night, the divine romance, which is the subject of the Bible and the secret of the universe. Now, please don't ho-hum this away. Please don't nod this away. The Lord would like to court, woo, call, call you whatever it is, attract you into deeper engagement with him because he's waiting for your affection and and he knows you need his affection and under his wisdom and divine arrangement, this is how his economy works. This is how his economy works. Otherwise, this progression and your progression and the ability to to apply what we've talked about in the last three sessions will hit a dead end. It'll hit a ceiling. It'll hit a ceiling. And you'll go a certain a certain direct a certain depth or a certain distance, and you'll find it's hard to go any further. And so this is the story in Song of Songs, as you know, Song of Songs is involved in turns. Turns in experience. And every turn of the lover in Song of Songs orients the pathway upward. 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 And every turn is a turn mediated or, or caused by divine affection. 
divine affection registered and divine affection responded to. And <clears throat> eventually, this fifth point, didn't finish it. This, this fifth point makes it work. So, not wanting you to be frustrated and find out or say, this didn't work. Uh, we, we need number five. Or, your capacity to enjoy Christ without limit, limitation, according to the intensified working of the spirit of reality, will be curtailed. It will, it'll be frustrating. It'll be frustrating. So, um, I mentioned to some of you that in, or I may have mentioned it last night, that in Song of Songs chapter 2, or stage, chapter 2 and stage 2 in Song of Songs, there was a need for a turn. There was a need for a turn. And the progress of the seeking one had come to a standstill. Yeah, we did talk about it last night. Had, had come to a standstill. And eventually the Lord called her, called her to enjoy him more broadly and more comprehensively than she was outside of herself and for her to come into another realm where she could enjoy him in her surroundings. In other words, to apply him as the reality of every positive thing. Eventually, his love subdued her, and she was able to do that, and she went on. The turn was a turn empowered, enabled by the divine affection. So, dear saints, Please, may this not just be a message or a series of messages. May this be an encounter. May this be an interaction, an interchange between you and the Lord, which is able to take you into a deeper kind of experience of Him, in which you take as your calling, your commission, what your life's for and about, that you would broaden your touch with the Lord by applying Colossians 2, 16 through 18. May it, may it be so. So, now to your outline. The outline has to do with the matter of our consecration to the Lord in the way of making a vow to Him. So, you've consecrated yourself to the Lord in the past, and maybe you've made a vow, which is a special kind, which is a very serious and deep and irreversible kind of consecration. Maybe you've made a vow to the Lord in the past. But what I'd like to see if you feel good about and offer to you is, would you, could you, 
have a transaction with the Lord regarding this very matter of endeavoring to cultivate your capacity to and your experience of taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing and actually do it. Whatever do it means, at wherever you are, you start to do this. You start to do this. And let your doing so take you gradually through cultivation to deepening levels of the separation of your soul and spirit, uh, increasing responsiveness to the indwelling spirit of reality until you live a life of divine affection, engaging him in everything, in everything, and thus having the intended human life, a human life of enjoyment, fulfillment, satisfaction, rapture, and hastening of the Lord's coming. So, um, regarding to this vow and consecration, this points out in the title, which I'll let you read to you, read yourself. I, I'm, you can just glance at it. As I mentioned earlier, this points out that, interestingly, there's a parallel provision in Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus asking God's people in typology to do what I'm asking you to do now, and that is have an exchange with the Lord in which a contact with the Lord in which you tell him you're serious about this. You'd like to give yourself to him for this, make a vow regarding this, and then go forth from there with a correspondingly redirected, reprioritized daily living experience. Now, um, I, I hope you'll uh, enjoy this. I think there's a lot to say about it. I'm not going to say a lot about it. I'm going to just read it to you and comment. But please notice the parallel in these three consecutive Old Testament books in the way they ask us to give ourselves to the Lord for a deepening enjoyment of Him. Roman number one says, the conclusion of the book Leviticus corresponds to concluding emphases of the preceding books, urging us to make, make ourselves wonderful to our waiting Lord by making a special vow to him. Leviticus 27.2 says, if you will make a vow to Jehovah, you'll notice the footnote there says, this also is the same word in numbers as Brother Ed recently referred to, it is to make yourself wonderful to him by making a vow. Make yourself wonderful by making a vow. I think, saints, if we're serious in applying what we've touched in the last few meetings, you'll be wonderful. You'll make yourself wonderful to the Lord. And if you're at all interested in cultivating divine human affection with him, the best thing to do is to do this and make yourself wonderful to him. 
make yourself wonderful. So in 3, 4, and 5, we have in these consecutive books a parallel portion that I'll briefly refer to. In point 2, um, I'll mention a little bit about this. You'll remember that Joseph sold into slavery in Egypt, eventually under God's sovereignty, came to rise to power and to direct everything of that international kingdom, that kingdom that ruled the earth at the time. And he was the most powerful man on the earth. He was the right hand, the acting agent of Pharaoh himself. This was Joseph, one of the 12 sons of Jacob. And under God's sovereign arrangement, there was a famine. And in the Holy Land of Canaan and in Egypt, there was no food. And this had been revealed to Joseph. And so he ordered his people in, in Egypt to save up everything year after year until every possible storehouse and every possible uh, reservoir was was filled with provisions, and then the famine came, and the people, having no food, had to come to Joseph. And they asked for food, and he said, sure, and it'll cost this much. And so after a period of time, they ran out of money. They ran out of money, and so they paid for the food with livestock. But this was a long, extended famine. The livestock was gone, and so they sold, they sold to Joseph their land to pay for the food. Then they used up that food, and what was left? All they could do was sell their entire being to Joseph to not starve to death. And pretty soon, Joseph, representing Christ in the millennial kingdom, was over and owned everyone and everything. So, in the commentary on this, our brother points out, points out that eventually, in our enlarging enjoyment and experience with the Lord, our enjoyment involves our paying a price. So what price do we have to pay? Well, we have to pay the price of cultivating this seed within and going against our natural being to live a life of enjoyment of him. Very costly, huh? That's not costly on one hand. But on the other hand, our entire natural being with what we care about, what we have, what we possess, what we secure, apart from Christ, we have to let go, and everything goes to him. So for our dear sister in the church in Irving, 
Her husband has to go to him. Her house has to go to him. Her livelihood has to go to him. And yes, her person has to go to him. And she becomes someone who takes Christ as the reality of every positive thing. Now, just so you don't think that this is too harsh, Joseph eventually placed all those people he had bought through his kingdom and supplied them with everything. So this means that as we live this way with the Lord, he puts us where he needs us to be and supplies us with everything and prepares us for the millennial kingdom. But um, so there were these four prices, right? There was, <laughs> there was, there was, um, there was uh, money. There was money, livestock, fields, and the persons themselves. There was now each of these. Um, I think yeah, you have have there the verse reference. This is in the life study of, of uh, Genesis, uh, message one hundred and twenty. Those pages there. Each of these, the money, <coughs> the livestock, the fields and the people themselves being exchanged for food, each one of these has an experiential significance. But basically what it means is that we no longer hold on to what is us and what is ours, and we bring the Lord into everything, relinquishing it to Him, and in a sense, we no longer have anything apart from Him, but we have everything in him and with him. This is the result of taking Christ as the reality of all positive things. So, there were four prices that people had to pay Joseph to be able to have sustenance, have supply. Then, uh, in Roman numeral three, the book of Exodus indicates that we are to advance in our consecration as illustrated by four degrees of holiness. So, there were four prices, a fourfold price. Now, in Exodus, there's a four, a four, four degrees of holiness of his people, for which the Lord, as our high priest, bears responsibility. Now, um, to maybe be more direct in explaining this, I'll read these points to you and then comment. Point A says, the white linen turban worn by the high priest this is referred to in Exodus 28:38. Bore a golden crown with the words "Holy unto Jehovah." This was the part of the priestly garments. He wore this turban with a gold plate that said "Holy unto Jehovah." So the high priest here represents Christ, who was the one uh, typified by the high priest, who was holy unto Jehovah, this high priest was to bear responsibility for the offerings of all the people. Now I'll try to explain what this signifies here. Point B, to make us holy unto Jehovah, the Lord as our high priest takes us through four degrees of holiness to make us holy gifts to God for our mutual peace, fellowship, and enjoyment with God. So, eventually, as we enjoy Him more, 
as we enjoy him more, we become holy unto Jehovah progressively, and we become a gift to him, a holy gift to him for his, for his satisfaction as a result of our enjoyment. Now, to explain this a little bit further, C says, the first degree of holiness involves laboring on the holy land. Okay, so this morning we talked about the importance of offerings as being the center of God's economy. The people, the people were to offer something to Jehovah for his satisfaction. And what they offered to Jehovah became particularly holy. So when we enjoy him, and as a result of that enjoyment, we give ourselves particularly to him, that portion that we give to him is revered by him, is treasured by him, is exceedingly concentrated in its value, and it's holy unto him. Now, to have an offering that would be enjoyed directly by God in this way, the first step was an Israelite had to cultivate their tract of land. If they didn't labor on the land, they wouldn't have anything to offer. So, for us to be holy unto Jehovah, or for us to have something as an offering to Jehovah, the first step is that we labor on him a little bit. Try to enjoy him a little bit. And as we do that, we cultivate him as our portion. Colossians 1.12. Cultivate him as our portion. Something is produced, and this becomes something we can offer to him. Now, in the ordination, the Israelites took what they produced on the land, on the land, and then point D says, the second degree of holiness involves our producing through this labor a harvest of holiness. So I've, so this is the second one. First you labor, you labor on the land, and that's the first um, degree of holiness. You produce something and harvest, that harvest is holy. The labor is holy, now the harvest is holy. Harvest is holy. Then D, let's see. Did I leave out the third? Looks like I left out the third. Okay. So, third degree of holiness is that you take the harvest, you take the harvest, and you take it to Jerusalem during the feast, and of that, of that, Har of that harvest, you give one-tenth, the top one-tenth you give to be offered to Jehovah, and the rest you enjoy with God's people. That top tenth is the third degree of holiness. And then that, that part is given to the high priest, Then the high priest takes that one-tenth there's the third step of holiness, the third step holy, and is particularly holy. And then the priest takes one-tenth of that and offers it to Jehovah. And the priests get the remaining nine-tenths of that holy portion for themselves. 
So by the time Jehovah gets that one-tenth, that's one-tenth of one-tenth of... Anyway, it's, it's um, very precious to Jehovah. Now, everyone was supposed to do that, and by doing that, they were um, brought into enjoyment of they, they they brought enjoyment to Jehovah and enjoyed Jehovah in these very varying steps. Now, why did the priest have on his turban the golden plate saying "Holy unto Jehovah"? That's because if you read this verse, um, Exodus twenty-eight thirty-eight, it says that the high priest. I believe it says that the high priest bore responsibility for the people to make sure that they did this. And if the people didn't do this, it was the solemn responsibility that fell on the shoulders of Aaron the high priest. So Aaron was endued with a lot of responsibility. Now what does that mean? That means that in this wonderful matter, of taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing, when you reach a point and you say, I don't think I can do this, or this isn't working for me, the indwelling high priest, as the spirit of reality, is going to make sure you do it. And be the capacity for you to do that. And so, I hope this is fitting. I was telling my wife about this and see what you feel. But this is good news. So let's call this tonight a gospel of holiness onto deepening enjoyment. Okay, so in our gospel speaking, in a frequent, in frequent reference, we will use Genesis 1.26, do we not? Indicate to an unsaved one that they were made in God's image and as such, as such, were made in a way that as a vessel to contain God, they can believe in Him and receive Him and have their vessel filled and no longer be an empty vessel and have satisfaction in life by being filled with God. And we illustrate this by bringing along with us a glove. And we say, you who need to believe, you are represented by this glove. And you're empty and floppy. But you can be substantial and full. And God, who is the one in whose image you were made, is like a hand. And this glove is like you. Now what needs to happen is, you join me to pray, and he, as the divine hand, will come in to you as the glove, and you will be a person with meaning according to God's design. So sometimes we, we share the gospel this way, am I right? Okay. Now, how do you think the spirit of reality 
has the fulfillment of the high priest in Exodus 28:38, who bears responsibility for making sure you render to God the enjoyment, the offering of enjoyment that you should offer to him, how is he going to do that? How does he do that? Well, for your encouragement, I'd like to say that there's a gospel message here. When he came into you, when you heard this gospel message perhaps, and he came into you, and came into you as the hand into your glove, he already was a hand in the glove. So, a hand in a glove came into the glove. And so, the divine being in humanity came into your human vessel as the spirit of reality and as the high priest as the one who already lived this way. Already lived a life of reality. Already lived a life with the Father that corresponds directly to Colossians 2, 16 through 18. Now he, as the perfect glove, with the hand, came into your frayed and defective glove and is in it now the capacity to live a life of deepening enjoyment. And this is this resource I referred to. This is the capacity that came into you when you were regenerated. Now, as the high priest, he's going to remind you, supply you, undertake for you, provide you with everything you need to be able to live this life of enjoyment. You are going to be able to do this because he is the high priest with the turban saying, holy unto Jehovah, and he is going to make you holy unto Jehovah, bringing everything in your environment and daily life into a station of holiness by separating your soul from your spirit and living in two realms according to Hebrews 4.12. Then, this corresponds in Roman number 4. Roman numeral 4 to the book of Leviticus indicates that we are to advance in our consecration according to a fourfold special vow of devotion. So, again, in these three books, there's a fourfold action related to consecration that allows us to connect these three instances and allow us to make what in Leviticus 27 is a special vow. A special vow. Saints, what we're talking about tonight is making a special vow. Making a special vow. A vow that it will not be as it hither hither has been. Where we are willing to sell. Give our money. Our livestock our land, and our person, and be someone given to the enjoyment of Christ, and get everything back in return. We're willing, we're willing to care 
to make sure that we labor on Christ enough, to have a harvest big enough, to have the tenth offered and a tenth of that tenth be enough to satisfy Him. And so we cultivate our daily living, making sure that everything ends up being part of that harvest for His satisfaction. Now in Hebrews, in Leviticus chapter 27, there were four valuations for a devotion of a vow. You could devote your person, and that was of a certain value. If you were really serious, it kind of goes in reverse order from the order in Genesis. You give your person, and that has a certain value. You give your land, and that has a certain value. You give your livestock, and that has a certain value. And you can also offer monetarily. Eventually, the implicit <coughs> inquiry is, will you give everything to me? Will you devote, in way of a vow, everything to me? Saints, that's what we're asking for tonight. That's what we're asking for. That we would embark on an endeavor intensification of the spirit of reality to draw the Lord as our way and as our reality into everything that he has positioned around us as we've talked to cause us to enlarge our enjoyment of him to the point that we live with him, he lives with us. So, <clears throat> Um, I'll just read a few things here for you. Now, under, under point D, which I've, I've summarized A through D of point 4, the ministry excerpt here says, after considering all these points, we can see how earnest God is in desiring our devotion. Whatever we devote, God treasures. This should encourage us to devote ourselves to the Lord in our person, in our possessions, and in everything we do. He is thirsty for this. He likes to see that we devote ourselves to Him, devote to Him our time, our ability, our possessions, our strength, whatever we have and whatever we can do. This is the emphasis in Leviticus chapter 27. Because of lack of space, I had to cut off a sentence here. The sentence I cut off says, even if you give yourself, devote yourself to him wrongly or defectively, he's still happy that you did that. Don't worry. He's the spirit of reality. He's going to make you holy unto Jehovah. Just give yourself as fully and completely as you can to him. And Roman number five says, the revelation contained in the book of Leviticus, which can be termed the gospel according to Leviticus, the ministry references there, intends to usher us 
through succeeding steps of consecration until we are absolutely devoted to him. I'll just read these to you. and um, These are uh, markers, stages in the book of Leviticus, which I'd like to call the gospel according to Leviticus, bring us to devote ourselves to him for a deepening enjoyment of him. A. The gospel according to Leviticus calls us to afford personal relationship priority to the Lord, resulting in our enlarging enjoyment of him. The verses here refer to the progressive enjoyment of the burnt offering, which itself refers to absolute consecration to him. We begin with a small consecration. That's the best we can do in our absoluteness. Based upon that, we're able to soon do more. And eventually, what's the story? The story is we eventually are holy unto Jehovah. This is the burnt offering. Point B, this gospel declares that this enlarging enjoyment is to be without limitation. Uh, Leviticus 6.9 refers to this experience of the burnt offering. Rendering ourselves to him is to become a law. And to govern us as a law. And as part of that law, the burning fire in our being to experience this is not allowed by us to extinguish or go out. But we feed it. We supply the wood to it. We wood. Consecration is burning in us all the time. C. This gospel then declares that our personal consecration rightly issues in our service to him, our priestly service to him. So in Leviticus, as a result of our giving ourselves to him, to enjoy him as signified by the offerings, in the way of absoluteness as signified by the burnt offering as the representative one of them, the Israelite was able to consecrate himself to serve. Be brought into the tabernacle to begin to serve, indicating that he was brought into the enjoyment, the mingling, the incorporation that we mentioned this morning. Then this person says, this gospel declares that if we will only give ourselves to him, he will cause any measure of our consecration to be made full. So if you're not ready to take him as the reality of everything, start to do the best you can. And you'll find that he will count that and credit that to you as an intention to be absolute for him, which then he will support and allow you to be more absolute for him and for the enjoyment of him. So this is a lovely verse. This is Leviticus 22, 18b. 
In Leviticus 22.18b, it says something like this. If you shall offer a free will offering, it shall be, it, it shall be as a burnt offering. And if you offer a vow, it shall be as a burnt offering. So what does Brother Lee say about this? He says that wherever we are, if we're sincere, we consecrate, we offer ourselves, devote ourselves to the Lord to the degree we can, he counts that as if it were full. And will support you to arrive at that fullness. Then E, this gospel declares that our rendering ourselves to him in the principle of burnt offering will cause us to become as holy as he is. And so in these verses, we have verses that say that you shall be holy because I am holy. These are the verse references. How are you going to become holy as he is holy? Of course, this matches the golden plate on the turban of the priest, right? That you'd be holy unto Jehovah. You become as holy as he is by enjoying him. He says, you will be. It isn't just a command. It's a promise. It's a prophecy. You will be as holy as I am. This indicates, saints, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And he's going to cause us to enjoy him to the degree that we're as holy as, as he is. Then F, this gospel declares that eventually we will respond to his call for our consecration to the extent that we are wonderfully, consummately, and irreversibly devoted to him. So here, here in these verses, in Leviticus chapter 26, you'll remember it says, it says, please keep my... Um, Please, take care of the offerings. Please, keep my Sabbaths. Please, reverence my sanctuary. Which charts a course of appreciating Him, first of all, as the offerings, indicating our engagement with and appreciation of Him as our person, in which then our enlarging experience of our person of his person causes us to be persons who are at rest and are complete now in the principle of the Sabbath and are those who reverence his sanctuary as indicated by the Lord himself in his incarnation to be the tabernacle and in the church and church life and body life as the consummated tabernacle, he asks us to take care of these things, and as a result, we have the blessings in Leviticus, Levit Leviticus chapter 26, which follow, and uh, these blessings cause us to be persons of delight. Mm -hmm. Then the final, the final verse there, Leviticus 27:33. You remember it says something like, 
something like, if you, somewhat paraphrasing the previous application, if you would please offer to me a consecration as a fulfillment of an Old Testament offering placed on the altar, please place something there, but don't think it's reversible. Don't think you can back down. Because what you've placed on the altar, if you remove it and place something that's less expensive or defective, you can do that. But the first offering is still mine. And the replacement offering is also mine. And you can see what happens. Eventually, we go from one level to another level to another level. And there's no way of weakening, releasing, tracing back. Saints, we're going to deeper enjoyment. But let's, let's devote ourselves to him for this. He's there as the indwelling high priest, the one who will make us holy unto Jehovah, who is the spirit of reality in intensification, helping us to indeed exercise and endeavor to take Christ as the reality of every positive thing, according to Colossians 2, 16 through 18. So if I could just read to you now these last two ministry portions. It says, Leviticus closes, concludes with devotions for a vow. The totality of all the things in this book is a vow. When we add together the offerings, the priesthood, our condition, our enjoyment of Christ, and the jubilee, the sum total of this, these are, of course, stages in the book of Leviticus, the sum total of this is a vow. This vow then becomes our life, our living. The Levitical living, therefore, is the living of a vow. So now tonight, in the sensation of the conference, this is a vow that we will enlarge our enjoyment of Christ in our practical daily living in the way we've described. Then finally, Leviticus, a book on what God has done for our enjoyment, ends with God's aspiration that we devote ourselves to him. God has done everything for us, and now he needs us to enjoy him. He wants to have more enjoyers. He has prepared everything for us. The feast is ready. We should come and dine. Here at the end of Leviticus, God expresses his aspiration and expectation that we would make a vow with him to devote to him whatever we are, whatever we have, and whatever we can do. God is calling, encouraging, and even urging us to devote ourselves to him for our enjoyment of him in all that he has prepared and provided for us. So, dear saints, uh, we offer this 
We offer the conference to the Lord, and we um, inquire, as I believe he's inquiring, would you make a devotion? Would you make a consecration? Would you make this not just another conference, but a turn? A turn in your upward spiral. A turn in your sending song of songs. A turn in your pursuit of enjoyment until we are those who take Christ as the reality of every positive thing and live in the dividing of the soul and spirit in two simultaneous realms. So let's pray with our neighbor and um, then we'll uh, perhaps have some concluding words. Praise the Lord. I have enjoyed this conference so much. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we want to take you as a reality. Oh, of every positive thing. Oh, I do want to enjoy the Lord moment by moment. Oh, I want enjoyment day by day. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, I give myself to you wholly. Oh, Lord, I give myself to you fully. Oh, Lord, I devote this to you. I give this vow to you. Praise you, Lord. Amen. Um, I really appreciate this word. I appreciate that the Lord wants to bring us on. He doesn't want us to remain on the surface. He really loves us, and he wants our whole being to be given to him. Just praise the Lord for this. Lord Jesus, I just, um, I just want to share that my experience whenever I give the Lord something is that He is faithful, and um, I just want to share because it is something that um, our first reaction, at least my first reaction, is to be fearful to give the Lord um, something, um, like what will He do with it, right? But praise the Lord that He's going to give it back, but it's going to be filled with Christ. Amen. And really, this is just for our, our fuller enjoyment of Him. So praise the Lord. Amen, Lord. Make us so willing and able. Amen. I really appreciated the final words from this last message, um, just in hearing that the Lord will do it. And, um, you know, just in thinking, you know, just from hearing all these words this weekend, you know, enjoying Christ as the reality in every single thing, you know, part of me is like, oh, well, that's just, you know, kind of impossible. And um, just in my natural concept, I'm like, oh, that's kind of unattainable, you know, but 
But in reality, we can have Christ. And not only we can, but we already have him. And so I just really appreciated this assurance that the Lord will bring us on. You know, we might not be there right now, but if we just give little by little, day by day, enjoying him a little bit more. And even, you know, earlier I was talking to a sister and we were just talking about how when we ask the Lord in the morning, Lord, remind us to call on you today. Lord, remind us to just treasure you, to treasure your word. He's so faithful that he will do it. So we can pray such simple prayers like this, and slowly but surely the Lord will be growing and gaining us. So I was reminded of uh, the... A line from a hymn that says, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Why, what, what a word. I was, uh, you know, at the end of this, I just was touched in the way of uh, Paul in uh, Philippians 3.14 where he says, I pursue toward the goal for the prize Amen. to which God in Christ Jesus has called me upward. Uh, just even in Rick's uh, concluding word, where this is spiraling tighter and tighter as we're going upward. Amen. We're headed to Christ. Amen. We're headed to where we are enjoying Him all the time Amen. in a seamless way. Amen. There are words in this uh, conference this weekend that I have, have really loved. One is we're in an arena where Christ is everything. Amen. This is a wonderful arena he's placed us in that defines everything that he is and is there as love notes for us to take and turn to him by his little love notes that he puts in every place. And this is a wedding parlor, which is uh, bringing us into him as the bridegroom and causing him to come closer to us as we take him. He doesn't, inf- he doesn't impose himself on us, but as we take him in all the little things, he becomes closer and closer to us. And he wants to love us and hug us and take and uh, cause us to love him. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> and I really enjoyed this matter of seamless. You know, that our interval of time would get shorter and shorter in our time of enjoying Him to the point that it is seamless. We have no interval of time between our loving Him and and it's not a matter of just turning to Him anymore. It's not a matter of realizing He's just our resource in this instance. But we're enjoying Him constantly. Praise the Lord. And then tonight, I just enjoyed this matter that we need to be those irregardless of how short we think our consecration or our vow is, we would just consecrate ourselves. He will take us up. He's the one fulfilling it. Just like in the Song of Songs, He brought her forth under the apple tree. And He was the one that brought her all the way. Praise the Lord for such a Christ. Saints, I just just enjoyed this, uh, this title that it's a glorious pathway of consecration according to the revelation contained in the Old Testament books, Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. And uh, tonight I feel like I saw a little bit more of what the Lord is actually doing in my life is He's taking away these things so that He could replace those things with Himself as the reality. Amen. And you see this in, in uh, Joseph 
And when he was ruler over Egypt, uh, eventually there was a famine and everyone came to him. They came to him and they, they had to give, them, give him all of their money. They gave him all of their land. Eventually they sold their very person to him. And this is just so encouraging because as, the, as, as things diminish, the things of this world grow strangely dim. Christ just replaces himself with those things. Amen. And so I just appreciate it. This is, this, is, this is our way. This is what is happening in our daily lives. Christ is becoming everything in our environment, in the persons that we interact with. I appreciated the simultaneous, we could, we could be in our spirit simul, simultaneously uh, speaking and contacting Christ and at the same time contacting people in our environment. Amen. This is miraculous. This is, it's too good for words. Amen. It's just amazing. It's incredible. Amen. So uh, may the Lord take us on in our enjoyment of Christ. Amen. He would enlarge in our experience to become one who divinely uh, wins our affection. Amen. And causes us to want to come closer and deeper into Him Amen. as the real enjoyment. He is really our. He's the real enjoyment. Amen. All the things in the universe, all the positive things in the universe. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. May the Lord take us on. Amen. He will bring us into this divine affection. So I really enjoyed Leviticus eleven forty five, and it really uh, impressed me that it says, "For I am Jehovah who brought you up out of the, out of the land of Egypt." To be your God, you shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. I really appreciate it, saints, that the Lord wants to guide us. He wants to bring us into these things. He wants to do it for us. But it, but this requires our cooperation, our consecration, and our openness to do these things. You know, um, I was really impressed in message two about the offerings. We've been studying these offerings and the trainings and also in the full-time training. And when I saw these, I, I thought, this is too complicated. How, you know, this is impossible to go, go through these offerings every day. But you know, just, I was, I came back to the Lord time and time after again, and I just gave Him myself to the, the degree that I could. And last night was, this morning actually was wonderful. You know, God arranges us to situations. And I experienced the offerings, every five of them, the burn offering, the mill offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, and finally the peace offering in a more real way than I have ever before. And it wasn't something I did, but I just came back to the Lord, open, willing for Him to guide me into all the reality. So this is what the Lord wants to do to us, or do for us. But we need to just be open and consecrate ourselves to Him. Keep coming to Him to apply all these wonderful divine facts, and He will apply it for us. Oh, what a lovely one we have. He loves us so much. He leaves us love, love notes everywhere. <laughs> I enjoyed that also. The brother shared that. And um, I'm just so thankful that um, we've been reminded to see that everything around us are just reminders to turn to the Lord. And um, it's all just a shadow. And somebody asked me last night after the message, you know, what, it, what did it mean, the word shadow? And I was considering, and I was like, wow, this is so wonderful. Um, everything really is a shadow. I, I was explaining it, and I was like, well, it's kind of like a metaphor. And I was like, no, everything is, uh, everything what appears to be real to us is actually just the shadow of the real reality, Amen. which is Christ. 
and we, of course, lose sight of it. But our Lord loves us so much, and, um, you know, what he's asking of us is not hard. What he wants to give us is enjoyment of him in all things, in all our experiences, all the things we're going through. He He's asking us to enjoy him and to make everything so wonderful. So I just enjoyed all the sharing, and that this one is the spirit of reality. He's indwelling us, and he's going to bring us to fulfillment. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Uh, hallelujah. Let me think about uh, one song. Lord, keep my heart always true to you. It's very touch me. This is a waiting parlor. So we need this word. We are, we are widowed in this world. We are waiting for our bridegroom. Our Lord Jesus is our husband. Oh, Lord Jesus, I'm very touched about this special role. What is special role? We give ourselves to Lord Jesus because He gave Himself first to us. He died on the cross for us. So why we doing the consecration to Him? When I meet God first time, I cannot quite from Him. In the morning, I drink coffee. I need to drink a cup of Christ first. I'm so touched by see, Brother said, Oh, even we congregation run to Him, He knows. He knows. He knows our heart is true. Our heart is pure. Our God is sitting on the throne in the heaven. Lord Jesus is standing right over him. He will pray for us. He bears our burden. He, his mercy and grace cover us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I just want to read this verse to you, dear saints. But as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not come up in man's heart, things which God has prepared for those who love him. Amen. But to us, praise the Lord to us. Amen. God has revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Amen. I'm so encouraged this weekend to go on. To take this one is our everything. Amen. He's placed us here. He's placed us according to his goodwill. Amen. He knows exactly what we need and he will supply it. Amen. Hallelujah. We can bring the Lord into everything. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And he will be everything to us. Amen. We just believe this, Lord Jesus. Amen. I want to experience Christ as my office chair. Amen. He wants to be our everything, saints. Amen. And we love him. Lord Jesus, saints, we, we have to get to four and five up here. We have to get to taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing and into so much into this divine affection. Uh, the, the first thing up there to see that we have a soul and a spirit, it's good, but it's just doctrinal. Then the subjective realization that's a revelation. That's good. That's better. But but still, we need some experience. Then the third thing, it's an experience, but it's short. It's just momentary. You know, I mean, it's wonderful. We need the experiences, 
But we need to enjoy the Lord all the time. Amen. What did the Lord save us for? Just to love Him, to be with Him all the time. So, you know, we get these doubts, these feelings like, oh, how can that be possible? But one of my biggest encouragements, uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but to be around some people. Sometimes you get around some people that probably not all the time, but it seems like they're enjoying the Lord all the time, at least, you know, enough so that it spills over and like, wow. And uh, that's the kind of people we need to be. And I think most of us have been around people like that. And consider that and realize that thing that we can't get there, that's a lie. Because that's where we need to be. Praise the Lord. This conference ends with a uh, vow. Amen. Amen. And the vow is the totality of the offerings, priesthood, our situation, our enjoyment of Christ. How about Jubilee? Praise the Lord. Yet from tomorrow on or from whatever, we might say, okay, I have the vow. I'm going to keep the vow. Uh Uh-uh. The way to keep the to keep the vow is to get into the enjoyment of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah! So the Lord is looking for the enjoyer. The the people, the more people or more saints enjoy of the Lord, the more you know we can keep the keep the vow. And the more we keep the vow, the more the building up of the church, the body of Christ, will come to true. Come, oh, praise the Lord. So, the feast is ready. The Lord is calling. How about we all answer our Lord's calling? And day by day, we get into the enjoyment of Him so that this uh, vow can be fulfilled within us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Dear saints, it seems like so many terms that I had within my vocabulary have all been extended into one item, and that is enjoyment. Amen. For example, our brother opened tonight with a sevenfold intensified spirit. But I didn't really take it into meaning the Lord taking us, guiding us by the spirit of reality into Christ as the uh, what the all the things that uh, are positive in the universe I, I hadn't as a reality of all the positive things in the universe I had not extended that understanding of the sevenfold intensified spirit out like that now it has a different meaning to me the sevenfold intensified spirit you realize that our brother gave us a cascading matter of development a seed is like that, and a seed, we basically got a seed here tonight. What is a seed for but to cultivate, to grow and develop? And I'm so encouraged that it's been open to us in such a way that the one who is going to carry out this fulfillment has a capacity, and that capacity is dwelling within us. Amen. But I would say, say even something even deeper than that capacity is this thing called divine affection. And our brother shared, this is what makes this a work. He wants to make this work even more than we do. As we begin to 
step into this in a little bit, there will be this process of the development of the seed, and we will eventually have that living in two realms simultaneously. Amen. Yeah, we're living, we're living in, uh, in a wedding parlor. Hallelujah. And uh, he's the bridegroom. Amen. I, I love Joseph Jesus. Um, I just appreciate this word because we're giving up more and more. Amen. Hopefully, right? I want to advance in my consecration. But as, as uh, the price gets higher, it's just like the food gets richer. And so I just worship the Lord for this speaking and felt, I looked over at my brother sitting next to me, I was like, we're hanging on to every word. I'm hanging on to every single word in this speaking. And I want to enter into it. So hallelujah. May, uh, may we really go on. You know, may this be our experience. And uh, may the Lord gain our whole being so that his bride would be prepared and match him. The Lord gain our whole being so that his bride may be prepared. Tonight I felt like I heard the gospel in such a fresh and new way. I didn't even realize there was something called the gospel of holiness. The saints, there's something called the gospel of holiness. And this is the Lord gaining an increase and advanced consecration in us that we would have an increased degree of holiness in our being. And the result is the issue, the issue and the result is that he's bringing us into a deeper and ever-increasing enjoyment of himself. And this is something, anyways, it seems so abstract and profound, like this entire weekend, but I realize actually this is very attainable. Because we have a perfect glove with a hand in our frayed and defective glove. And this perfect being in our being will carry this out for us. We already have a life in our spirit that's lived out a life in reality. So we just need to be ones living in our mingled spirit. And this one in our mingled spirit will live the reality in us. Saints, I enjoyed that Christ is a hand, uh, is a hand in the glove and he's coming into the glove. Meaning Christ has done everything for us. Um, he's already lived a life in reality. And now this, this person is in us. Um, I enjoyed all, another small point about how even if we devote ourselves wrongly or even without the full realization of what we just did, you know, the Lord still treasures that. Praise the Lord. As I was considering uh, tonight and then putting it in context with the weekend, uh, my consideration is we got two summaries in one meeting. We've got one summary that's there on the board. And that summary is experiential. A hundred percent experiential. To bring us into a continuing divine affection with the Lord. How do we do that? We have to practice taking Him as the reality of all, the positive reality of all positive things. The second summary is having some kind of relationship like this. We have to make a vow. And the vow is not, I'm going to do something. Most of the time we think vows mean, okay, I'm going to do it. 
That's not this kind of vow. This kind of a vow is I'm surrendering. I'm giving up in order to afford the Lord the way to bring forth what he wants in me. Now, I want to read this last verse of this hymn. This is 1104. And let's see if it rings a bell with you, okay? With all the cleansed ones feasting, how rich the Christ we eat. Oh, this is true communion. The only way to meet. We bring our full thanksgiving. And Ian would make a vow. We're for the Lord's recovery. As he is for us now. This sums up all of this conference weekend. But the vow is that he is for us, for us to make the vow. And then my consideration at the end of this is, what will this result in? And if we consider how the church began, it began in a room with just a few hundred, 120, but they were in the reality of what we experienced this weekend. They were in that. And what happened? The Spirit was poured out completely upon them. And they became an entity. They became a reality of the testimony of all that they were experiencing. That's what we will become. If we can go on in this way, experiencing the Lord, moment by moment, at least attempting moment by moment, to be able to get into the experience individually and corporately so that we have a testimony of a people who are living Him, enjoying Him, and He can pour out on us the reality of all that He is, and we can testify that. We become the living testimony of His reality. May the Lord do it in us. At the closing of this age, may this become our reality. And we in Him are made real.